0: In today's episode of Age of Visionaries, we talk to Kimberly from Just Answer. Stay tuned. Welcome to HR Visionaries, where we unlock the secrets of modern HR. I'm Benjamin, your host. Join us as we shed light on today's HR universe with HR leaders and innovators from across the globe. Whether you're an HR pro, a business leader, or just curious about the future of work, this is your shortcut to the forefront of HR innovation. Brought to you by Hire, the AI talent attraction platform. Welcome to our new episode of Age of Visionaries. I'm looking forward to my guest today, Kimberly. Kimberly, thanks for taking the time.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm happy to be here.
0: Kimberly, can you tell us who are you?
1: I am Kimberly Nuponi. I am the VP of People and Places at Just Answer. Just Answer is an internet company. It's a marketplace business where we connect Customers with experts, uh, professional services around doctors, lawyers, vets, technicians, all kinds of problems that everyone has in their life. Um, and I've been there for about three years um, overseeing recruiting, onboarding, employee relations, talent management, the whole employee life cycle. And I would say for me, my calling and talent management came later in life. It was my second career. I started my Professional journey um, in IT of all places, but have been doing talent management, HR, recruiting for about twenty, almost twenty-five years now.
0: Cool. Uh, can I tell us what you I've done? Um, um, well, in in IT, so it's 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 a kind of a related field. However, it's a very different kind of yes. stuff you do all day, yes. right? Yes.
1: So it's a very service-oriented, IT is, as well as, you know, HR, as you think of it, is it is service-oriented. So in that way, it's very similar. Uh, But yes, the functions uh, that you do in people ops is very different than IT. I started off in college. I had an internship at a telecoms company and was a, a business systems analyst there. And that led to a career in help desk and then email support, and I really loved the technology piece of it. It was interesting to me, but it was really the building the teams, creating career paths, uh, retaining high-performing teams, employee growth, all the areas That helped support and build high performing teams, that's what really got me excited. And I think that's what made me successful as an IT manager. And so when I was propositioned a new promotion at my company at the time, this was was 1999, instead of being super excited about a promotion, I actually got quite anxious and did not actually feel very excited about it. And I realized that, wow, this is a great opportunity and an amazing job, but it's not a great opportunity or amazing job for me. If I'm not excited about it, I'm probably doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And so instead of accepting the promotion, I actually resigned and decided that I really needed to spend some time thinking about what I really, really was passionate about so that I could have that Passion with me when I came to work every day. And one of the first things I did in that kind of career transition journey was hire a career coach. And that career coach just opened my eyes to a new world of possibilities. Uh, and I've found that my success wasn't a, my technical skills. Um, though I love technology, I'm not a, an engineer. And so It was through that process that I realized it was the hiring and developing and leading teams that had made me successful. And not only was I good at it, but I really enjoyed it. And so that's where I did my pivot and I I changed from IT to HR. And somehow, I don't know how, but I talked my way into an HR role at Bain & Company, which is a top tier management consulting firm It's global. And at the time I was living in San Francisco, this is my backdrop here, the Golden Gate (laughs) Bridge. San Francisco is one of my favorite places in the world. I was fortunate enough to live there for for many years. And um, that's where I I cut my teeth in HR uh, at Bain & Company. And it was a phenomenal experience. I was there about 12 years. And in that role was able to work through all the different departments and sub departments, following the employee journey from of employer branding, recruiting all the way to offboarding and even alumni relations. So corporate alumni relations, you know, in its in history of HR is fairly new,
0: mm-hmm. a concept.
1: And so that was super fun for me to kind of delve into what does a corporate alumni program look like for Bain and Company? How do we make it better? How do we make it best in class? So that was actually the last role I had at Bain and Company.
0: Well, um, you've already mentioned you your career pivot um in terms of hey we well, Kimberly, great news we've got a promotion for you and then um well you say okay, great, but I'm gonna I gonna resign so yeah uh, how, how, how did you assess this career change so in terms of okay, well that's not that's not for me
2: yes,
1: yeah, it's a good question. look I'm not gonna promote people quitting their jobs without another job. Um, Cause everyone has coming from a different situation. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, in my late twenties, I had no school debt. I had no mortgage. I didn't have a car payment. Um, and I had saved money in the bank and I negotiated a severance package. So I had set myself up so that I had the opportunity to say Hey, I'm going to pause and figure out what I want to do. And I know that everybody has an opportunity to do that in their, in their lifetime, but if you ever do, I do recommend it. You know, I grew up, my, my mom was a homemaker and my father worked for himself as as in a small business building, Mm -hmm. building homes. And so neither one of them had corporate America experience, Mm -hmm. corporate worldly experience. So as Supportive as they are and very good sounding boards, they couldn't really guide me and support me in navigating the corporate world. And so when I got my first job off- offer in college, they're like, great, it's a great job. Just, you know, if you get a great job offer, you take it. And that was kind of the extent of their corporate, ex- you know, advice. And so what I did when I decided to pivot and figure out what I wanted to do. Is talk to a lot of people and I end up talking to close to 100 people and I gave myself a year to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't want to force myself into accepting any good job. I wanted to accept a good job that would be great for me but I realized that I had fallen into this IT career through my internship and through you know success and what I was doing and so I really wanted to start with a clean slate, no pre- preconceived notion of what I wanted to do or be. Uh, it was interesting though, because in that process, I think this is human nature. People would ask me, well, what have you done? And I explained to them what I've done. And then everyone's advice, not everyone, but many people's advice is, oh, you, here's this tech company, you should work here, you would like this tech company. Uh, or you know, maybe you could do IT consulting, that would be you know, unique and fun and your projects would change. And so it was, it took probably about six months in, I realized that what I really wanted to do was start a career in HR. Um, and it was through the work with the career coach, because what a career coach can do for you is just strip all the noise away and focus on, well, what's it, what's in your heart, what's in your head, where do you see yourself in five years? And you know, not thinking about specific companies or specific job titles even, but how do you want to spend your time? What excites you? What motivates you? What are you passionate about? Where can you add value while still, you know, fulfilling that sense of purpose and professional growth and development? And so for me, it is the whole world around talent management and people operations. I find it endlessly interesting No two days are ever alike, and you will never know everything there is to know, and there's never one right answer for any problem that you're solving. And so for a lot of people, that probably sounds awful and gray and ambiguous and stressful, uh, but for the right person, it it sounds interesting and endlessly challenging and taps into creativity and innovation in a really for me, a really fun way. Uh, And for me, the purpose and the impact, it's people's lives. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's nothing more rewarding than helping an employee or a manager or a client solve a big hairy problem that felt insurmountable. And to be able to look at it from the different perspectives and angles and be a, a, a thought leader in breaking down a problem into manageable bits or in some cases actually you have three options here are the three options and here's are the reasons why you would go with one two or three the pros and cons here's what i would do but you know what do you think um so in many ways as an hr leader i kind of think of myself as a therapist sometimes you know <laughs> Sometimes it isn't telling people what to do. It is kind of evaluating the options and the impact that those different decisions you are going to make, right? So I've been doing this for almost 25 years. I've had the similar role in, you know, three or four companies now, but each role is so different, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't have a set of answers that I take with me to every job. I have a toolkit, how I use that toolkit depends on the problem depends on the culture, it depends on the maturity of the business. Uh, it depends on the external and internal obstacles as well as the external competition and where we sit in the in the competitive landscape. So because of all these dynamics, my job is never the same.
0: Well, I, I can't get the number of 100 um, interviews or 100 feedback sessions you, you you conducted when doing the pivot out of my head. So therefore <laughs> I have to, have to ask a question on that, definitely. Um, and I found this incredibly interesting and what we just mentioned. So like presenting people options to reflect um, to not like tell them what to do, but more, well, elaborating opportunities, elaborating options. Um, is that something when you then, when you, when you talk about these uh, challenges and when you talk about options um, that uh, people have with people that that it take your advice now, is there something you, you then think back to 25 years ago when you talked to those hundred people
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it got some feedback and reflected your options? Yeah.
1: Um- Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think the 100 100 or so, maybe a little bit more people I spoke to (laughs) back in 2000, between 1999 and 2000, it was really about a social experiment or personal research on why did you choose this career? Or why do you work at this company? What makes you happy? What doesn't make you happy? You know, what's it like working in this environment versus that environment? helping me kind of filter in and out what I did and did not like and could I picture myself doing that could I picture myself working in that environment the cool thing about people is that we're all unique Mm -hmm. but at the core we're also similar Mm -hmm. right and so we don't all have to experience the same thing to get understanding or appreciation for how that might feel like so kind of tapping into these different perspectives and these different experiences of these hundred people helped me a el- little I wasn't going to go do a hundred different jobs, <laughs> right? Uh and so I think that exercise though is a good example to your, to what you're saying is, you know, the different potential options you could pursue. And so Though I don't necessarily go and interview or talk to a hundred people when I'm posed with a problem, um, or coming up with a new plan or strategy, I do talk to other people. And so that's another great thing about having done this for 20 plus years, you start to create a community of people that you can tap into, you know? And so, for example, no one wants to do layoffs. Uh, but the reality is a lot of companies had to do layoffs in mm-hmm. the US specific, specifically in this last 12 to 18 months, including my current company. We did one earlier this year. And it'd been many, 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 many years since I've been part of a, you know, a reduction in force at any scale. And so being able to tap into a network of HR leaders and say, mm-hmm hey, I have to do this horrible thing, but I wanna make this horrible thing as less horrible as possible. Mm-hmm. How can I make it as human and authentic and caring uh, and as transparent as possible? And having people come back to me with some great ideas and resources and perspective, having a couple conversations with other HR leaders about their recent experience, what worked, what didn't work, if they could have done things differently, what what would have they done differently? So I think even those, those two examples are separated by 25 years and they're very different situation. I think it's just a reminder to all of us, whether we're HR leaders or just managers or even employees, when you're making a major life decision or a big hairy problem that you're tackling at work or even at home, like you're not alone and it's always, I mean, a good idea to see you know, who's who's gone through this before. What advice do you have for me? As I know that I feel this way sometimes when I'm struggling with a big issue or a problem is well, what should I do? And having someone to talk out loud with or another perspective to bounce off of or relate to be really helpful and kind of, if nothing else, Eliminating some of the stress and anxiety associated with, oh my gosh, I am going through all of this alone, you know.
0: Um, Well, what you just mentioned, like, in particular in those situations where, well, things are tough and you have to communicate very tough decisions with people um, that are like not just directly affected, but did, well, their entire life is impacted. Um, other than talking to um, to peers, to to people, who give you honest, honest feedback and give provide you with with very honest ideas. What, what's the best to prepare for such a situation, or to to prepare, or to to, to work through such a situation?
1: Working through a situation of big change—is that the question?
0: Uh, sorry, I, I meant like in terms of well, you have to communicate layoffs, and when you have to uh, to uh, well to prepare the such a very difficult, yeah, um, very very difficult situation in terms of okay, how do I communicate? How do I execute? And how do I move this in a very in, in, in a way that it doesn't leave people hurt, that um, is, is mindful of people's economic situation and all that. so, so how yeah. how, do, how do you prepare for such a situation other than also well talking to to other um, other other HR experts?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think one thing that we should do and I try to do in these situations is put myself in that person's shoes. Right. So in that scenario, we had multiple, multiple perspectives to manage our HR team, our global people leader team across three regions. Um, So how are the leaders going to feel? How's the executive team going to feel? How are those that are being laid off going to feel? How are those that are not being laid off going to feel? And really understanding what that might feel like Uh, and what questions would they have and the reality is we are as humans we go to almost immediately to what does this mean for me and so that's the question that me and, and my team asked ourselves a lot when we were thinking about the whole communication plan as well as the logistics and the mechanics of conducting a global layoff and You know, what does this mean to this person in India? What does this mean to this director in Ukraine? What does this mean to this executive here in the U.S.? Uh, So really putting yourselves in other people's shoes and the different perspectives, anticipating all the questions, all the questions, even the questions you don't think you might get, just being prepared to handle them. So what you don't want to do is be put in a position where you wanna mitigate being put in a position where people have questions and you don't have answers, especially in a situation like this where you are generating a lot of feelings around insecurity, right? And the unknown and it's scary. And so part of the role of the leadership team and people ops team is to make this big scary thing as least scary as possible. And the best way to do that is to give people as much information as you can. I really don't think you can give them too much information um, as long as they're asking for it. Well, if you didn't want to do a a dump, right. And so understanding, if you think of the process over several days or even several weeks, you know, making sure that you're you're delivering information that's needed when it's needed. So anticipating kind of the life cycle of emotions. And so in in this situation, right? We didn't just communicate one thing, one time. We actually had a communication plan that extended over several weeks based on what do I need, what do people need to know today? Cause the layoff is happening today. What questions are gonna come up the next day, the next day, the following week, three weeks from now, a month from now, a quarter from now. And so just going through that, that thought process.
0: And it's not not just altruistic, right? But it's also super important to, to those employees who who stay, um, employees who are laid off may return later after well, when when things are when things like improving, and, and, and those people maybe your your talents for uh, for the next hiring round. Then
2: mm-hmm.
1: yes, it's true, and you know. We at Just Answer have a very strong company culture, uh, strong company values and high retention, low turnover. And we have a history of people coming back. We call them our boomerangs. And so to your point, even more so that we wanted to treat people with respect, give them all the information they need, keep the lines of communications open and honestly say, you know, if opportunity arises we'd love to
2: have you back
0: um how does boomerang work for that uh, just answer exactly so is it something that you stay in touch with people that you communicate how, how can I picture that and well it kind of references also your job at Dane, right
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah it's um right now our um culture is very tight-knit, uh, you know, we are smart, fun, get things done, and highly collaborative, lots of communication, and really strong values and leadership. What has historically happened is our executive team, including our founder CEO, uh, keep they keep in touch uh, with former employees. Yeah, it's uh, and it's nice because it's not... We're still small enough that it's more organic than very institutional um, in nature. So Bain is great, but it's huge. (laughs) And so um, they needed, you know, alumni relations managers like me and others in my role that kind of kept tabs of all the alums, um, facilitated communications and events with alums, uh, reminded other partners to reach out to different alums, uh, so it was a, a lot more structure mm-hmm. and a uh, lot more of a formal process. Currently at Just Answer, you know we're about 700 employees globally. Uh, we have probably that half of that in in alum, uh, corporate alums, and one. Actually, it's interesting you ask. One of the things we have been thinking about is. Our, at which point do we need to be more formal <laughs> with our, our alumni program? Uh, 2024 might be that year to do that.
0: Awesome. Um, can can you tell us what did fascinate you when you joined Just Answer?
1: Yeah. So for me, I was really initially surprised that I'd never heard of Just Answer. I had been contacted by a HR recruiting firm called HRQ. And they said they were looking for someone immediately uh, as an interim HR leader. I looked up the company and this sounds like a product I would love. How have I never heard of this company? I love new tech. I love, you know, Service tech like TaskRabbit, Instacart, Amazon Prime, you name it, uh, Netflix, all these services we get now that we take for granted that, you know, give us exposure to more things and easy access um, and conveniences, you know, it's very spoiled. Uh, I was surprised I'd never heard of Just Answer because it is a great place for people to find solutions to their problems immediately, or if not in a couple minutes, within a several hours. And so it's like, this is amazing. You know, if you have a dog that, you know, ate something, you could just reach out to Just Answer and talk to a vet within minutes. You know, I have a daughter. She's she's nine now. She was six or seven when I started Just Answer. Kids, you know, have weird... <laughs> symptoms and you don't like, do I need to go to the doctor? I don't know. Maybe I just talk to a doctor. You can't and just many, call your doctor's office and talk to the doctor anymore. And many you weird
0: just, questions, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can't just ask questions. They make you go in and schedule an appointment and pay the co-pay. <laughs> um, and so I was intrigued by the product itself. I thought it was really cool. And, you know, we can't all afford to have a doctor or a lawyer on retainer this is kind of the next best thing, right? Having these experts at your fingertips. And then when I met with a couple of folks at Just Answer, I was really impressed with the the passion, the transparency, the the culture,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and the way that work was done. And I was fortunate enough to start off as a part-time consultant And so I really got to pressure test the values and for myself to see are these values things that are applied in the day-to-day work or are they just some words on the website? (laughs) And And so, right, that's a big difference, right? Yeah, indeed. And so I was very happy to see that the values were not only something that people talked about, but people lived by. And we talk about it and how we work and, and give feedback on it, receive feedback on it. And so between the product and the culture and the values and the people, when I got the full-time offer, it was a no-brainer for me. I felt like this is the best extended interview process one could ask for, right? I mean, part of me felt like I wish I could do this for every new job I was considering. You know, really get to to take it for a test drive. I got to take it for a 10 week test drive.
0: What is the most important value for you?
1: The most important value for me at Just Answer? Mm -hmm. I think for me, it would be humble. So Mm -hmm. that's one of our core values is being humble. And what humble means for us at Just Answer is that having the humility to to recognize that you aren't going to have all the answers and you're not going to always get it right, but that's okay. It's it's the process of learning and and building uh, new skills or new understanding of things that's important, and it's okay to to not be right here. You're not going to be chastised for it. You're not going to be skewered or burnt at the stake. You know <laughs> you you can make Thoughtful mistakes here, like we—I should say—it's it, it, not mistakes that are made because you're sloppy. It's mistakes because you take an educated guess, mm-hmm. you you develop a hypothesis and you test it, and that works really well with one of our other values, which is lean. And by lean, I mean lean development principles uh, around um, minimal viable products. So you know, if you need to build a rocket ship, for example. Um, Instead of building this giant rocket ship, maybe test the jet propulsion first on a, you know, a baby rocket.
0: (laughs) Uh, Probably makes a lot of sense. Um, (laughs) um, So, since those values seem to be super important to you, to to your colleagues, your company, um, is it about building a company around those values or the other way around so that you have a great company and then define some values that may be relevant for you?
1: Well, obviously I have a biased view because of what I do. I'm a people leader. And for me, I view the people strategy as part of the business strategy. And they go hand in hand. So building up our employee base or growing out our employee base, which we did primarily a lot of growth was, employee growth was in 21, 2021 and 2022. Being very aware of what our values are and what they represent to our teams, as well as the executive team, when we go into the recruiting process. How we work together is just as important as what we do. So, most companies, or if not all companies, at a bare minimum, at least people know what they're supposed to be working on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not always, though, you'd be surprised. There are some people that don't actually know what their job is sometimes. <laughs> okay, so, but at minimum, let's assume everybody knows what they need to do. What I find Fun (laughs) because I'm an HR nerd is helping businesses and leaders identify how people are supposed to work. Because if we can give clarity um, around that, what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it, and we reinforce it and we're consistent, and we hire top talent and we give a clear strategic plan to teams, I truly believe that a business is unstoppable.
2: Mm
1: You know, There's a lot of, and it sounds simple on paper, right? Boom, 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 we're good, right? We have a strategy, Mm -hmm. we know what we're supposed to do, we know how we're gonna do it, we have a roadmap. But it's never that simple, Mm -hmm. right? Because we all know, for example, we all know we should get eight hours of sleep, we should eat our vegetables, we should drink a lot of water. Right. We know those things to be true. Mm -hmm. Right. But do we actually do them every day consistently? Maybe not some days, some Mm -hmm. not. Right. And so there's the difference between knowing and doing and knowing and actually delivering those set of behaviors. And so that's what people ops does. Right. That's what H.R. leaders help businesses do is help reinforce and continue to drive the behaviors that we want to see out of employees, we want to see out of managers. And look, we're not gonna be perfect every day, every quarter, or every minute of every day, because um, we, we're humans. Um, but if we continue to consistently reinforce, align, and drive those set of behaviors, and making sure that our rewards and our recognitions are aligned to that, Uh, And again, that's how people, ops, leaders help is because sometimes what will happen with businesses and companies is we inadvertently are rewarding or recognizing behaviors that are inconsistent with our values, Mm -hmm. inconsistent with our culture. And it's not intentional. It's because sometimes leaders don't think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just looking, well, I need, you know, I need this to happen right now, or I need to recognize this person right now. And so that's where me and my team can help, right? Okay, well, I understand that this person is delivering X, Y, and Z, and you wanna recognize them for whatever that might look like for that person, but how does this feel to the rest of the organization? And how is this Mm -hmm. consistent with our policies? Are we being equitable? And so that's where, you know, me or another HR leader can step in and say, Well, look, you might be rewarding this one person for great work, but you now unintentionally reinforced the wrong behavior because this person didn't do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And by the right way, I, what we mean is was not aligned to the company values or the behaviors that we hold true um, for the standards of behavior, right? Now, no one intentionally is, no manager is intentionally going to reward bad behavior. That's not. they were trying to do and so identifying that okay that person might be doing great work in the sense that they did x y and z but how they did it wasn't great they 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 stepped on some toes they have sharp elbows and so here's an opportunity to work with them and get them from good to great right because delivering great work is important but also how you do it is very important because we want to maintain our, our value system and we want to maintain a great culture. And this culture is about uh, collaboration and communication and community. And this was not demonstrated here in this situation.
0: Cool. Um, what is your um, best situation so far? it just answer.
1: The best situation?
0: Mm-hmm. So something you look back to and you just Happy it happened.
1: So when I started uh, full-time, you know, there were several things, as a consultant on the backup as a consultant, I was hired to work on three projects, the future of work, US compensation, and talent review. And so coming out of that, cons- those consultancy projects, and I, th- well, I I thought that was super fun too, the three very different projects and, but touch, again, touch the whole different aspects of employee life cycle. I, one of my favorite parts of my role is around talent management and talent review, performance management. And I had recommended to the executive team at the time that we expand uh, and move deeper around the performance management aspect. The review process was inconsistent. Um, the review criteria, performance review, performance criteria was inconsistent and not really well-defined. And most people were not doing reviews uh, consistently. Uh, and it was not uncommon for employees not to have any review for a Mm -hmm. year plus. And so what I had said to the exec team was, this, it really isn't talent review that we're doing right now. This is just looking at um, a subset of information. (laughs) So we are data driven as one of our values, right? And I go, this is not a data-driven approach to performance mm-hmm. management. And, and therefore this is not a real talent review because we don't have the data. Uh, these are really good guesses and good opinions maybe. And you know we have very limited insight to actually where our talent is today and what we need to get them to where they need to be. We don't even know where they need to be because we haven't really defined what the performance criteria are. Mm-hmm. And so that was a interesting conversation and and I'm going to simplify it by saying that the pushback was, well, we don't need to do reviews because we have OKRs. So it, OKRs is a goal setting framework, objectives and key results. And so I recognize that we do have an OKR setting mechanism here at Just Answer, and it's quite r- rigorous and it's great. So every year, business leaders pull together their annual plan and they align their annual plan to the business strategy and they come up with a three-year roadmap as well as a one-year plan. And and that one year plan has OKRs in it. And I said, that's great. That is wonderful. But OKRs really drive what the business needs to do to reach its business goals. It doesn't really address how people are working Mm -hmm. and how well even more importantly, how well they're doing in, in in doing the roles that they're in or hitting those OKRs. So it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's not just what you do, but how you do it. And so the reason I bring this up is one of the things I was most happy about or positive about is because I got the executive team to see, you know, basically do a 180 from we don't need reviews to fast forward to a year later. Where we're, we're, we're using more consistent review process. We've defined what the review performance criteria are. Managers are now having more structured conversations about around performance and development. So we went from we don't need reviews to now um, managers and leaders asking when's the next review? <laughs> so wow. how are we get feedback. So I love that because It also ties into our lean principle, our lean value. So build, measure, learn is the foundation of lean development principle. And so in in this example, which I shared with the executive team, um, we're not measuring, right? We're skipping Hmm. the measuring. So how do you learn if you don't measure? And so performance reviews are a measure of your performance. uh, And the big focal of performance management for us at JA and the one that we believe in is it should be mostly forward-looking. You only look back just to highlight, you know, examples and anchor the strengths and opportunities for an individual. But in practice, those looking back moments should have already been addressed and discussed in the moment that they happened, right? It's that real-time, this happened, you, you crushed it, or that was good. Here are some things that could have been gone a little bit better. Um, so we're, we're really, you know, we're still driving that real-time feedback, you know, that doesn't, that muscle doesn't develop overnight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're still working on that because we include myself, we get caught up in our day to day and, you know, people are delivering great work every day. And then you kind of move on to the next thing, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, I should probably give that person a shout out, or I should give Mm -hmm. them some recognition, or I should give them some feedback on what went really well. And giving that feedback as it's happened or shortly after it's happened is so much more impactful and powerful than six or eight months later at review time.
0: Awesome, Kimberly, thank you so much for, um, um, well, for elaborating it was really cool to understand what what are your values how to deal uh, with difficult situations and well how to yeah how to stay uh, stay positive and to well use this momentum to build something great so that's it's yeah. amazing thanks a lot
1: thank you benjamin
0: and uh, thanks a lot guys for listening in i'm sure you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did and see you next time